We're going to go to a book today that we've been going through, which is proof that men are supposed to make the coffee. So everybody turn to Hebrews chapter 5. I'm still working that one. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 5, moving along. What an awesome time it's been going through the book of Hebrews because it just settles so many issues that are out there today and so many questions that people have. And God just answers all those things in a brilliant way. And I believe Hebrews was written by the Apostle Paul. Some don't believe that, but that's how I feel because it's so like him with the stuff that he says. And so whoever, whatever, it doesn't matter. We know that all Scripture is by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of God. God breathed the Word and took, the whole, took hold of man's hands and wrote it down for our benefit. And so we enjoy these 66 books written by 40 authors that help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So if you want your faith to grow, get into the Word of God and get into prayer. So we're going to do the whole chapter today in chapter 5. Let's uh, begin by the reading of the Word. Verse 1, chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in the things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. And as he saith in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death, he was heard in that he feared or reverenced. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and are hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For every one that uses milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this portion of Scripture which teaches us to rely on you and not anyone else, but to also have an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying, that we would answer the call. You have a calling for each and every one of us. And Lord, I would just pray that we respond to your call to do what you want and to turn away from the things that you don't want. Help us to grow in you. Bless this time and minister to our hearts in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. 
I entitled this message, Answer the Call of God. Very important for all of us to be listening to God. To allow God to change us on the inside. There was a story about a man that went to his rabbi. And he was all freaked out and he said, Rabbi, and he said, yes, what is it? He says, you'll never believe what happened to me. He said, what? He said, my son left the house and he became a Christian. And the rabbi said, shh, whoa, you'll never believe what happened to me. My son left the house and became a Christian. He said, what are we going to do? He says, we're going to pray to God. So they started praying to God. And then God said, you'll never believe what happened to me. And this is what was happening all through Israel and throughout the known world that Jewish people were coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Leaving the house maybe on their way to the temple and being intercepted by the Holy Spirit. By someone who was filled with the Spirit that was willing to share the Gospel with somebody. Sheep reproduce sheep. God has called you to share the Gospel. It's not my job alone. It's your job. It's every one of ours' jobs. It's to be able to allow your heart to be broken in such a way for someone that doesn't know Jesus that you are determined to go to that person and share the love of God with them. Time is short. God is coming. Look at the world. It's falling apart. He could be here at any day. we got some work to do. Amen? God wants to use you. He's called each and every one of you. My question today is, have you answered the call? God not only calls us to do things, He calls us to turn away from things. And as a child of God, we need to have that ear. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit directing us. Because sometimes, even things that we think are good, God didn't call you to do it. He called someone else. And so we want to be able to pray to God, and if you're not in the Word and you're not in prayer, you're not going to understand the will of God for your life. So many times I've desired to do things that I thought were good things and godly things, and God said, no, i got somebody else that's going to do that. I want you to do this. Are you sensitive to that? Because here's the danger. A lot of times, you know, we'll pray, oh, God, use me. Oh, Lord, use me. And, and we'll find ourselves alone in our room on our knees on our face and crying out to God, God, use me. Oh, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then all of a sudden, your roommate comes in. And he says, hey, uh, so-and-so needs a place to sleep for two weeks on your couch, on our couch. Is that okay until he gets his new place? And you're like, nah, I don't want that guy here. He's a slob. And then you go back to praying, Lord, use me. I just want to be, tell me what you want me to do. And then somebody knocks on the door and says, hey, we're going down to the hospital to pray for the elderly and the sick. Do you want to come with us? And you're like, nah, I don't like being around sick people and old people. You know, you go. And then you go back to praying, oh, God, use me. See, we have a tendency only to do what we want to do for God. God, I want to serve you. Here's where I want to be used. But many times God will get you out of your comfort zone. Amen? And He will take you places that you would never go on your own. And we would learn obedience through suffering. You know, we, we often think of that Scripture to know Him and the power of His... The power of, of God, you know, to, to know Him and the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering... We like the power. We like knowing Him. 
We just don't like the suffering. But isn't it true that through suffering is when we get closest to God? Where our prayer life goes up a few notches? Where God shows you through trials and storms to grow in the grace and knowledge of Him in a way that you never would have grown before. And it's through those troubled times that He brings you in contact with people that you never would have been in contact with in order to minister to them and see them come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to answer the call. Well, how do I know what the calling is for me, Steve? Get in the Word of God and get on your knees and pray. When we finished up last week in chapter 4, started to talk about our great high priest, Jesus Christ, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession or our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to, and to help in the time of need. That's the God we serve. We have a God that gave us access to Him at any time. That is amazing. The veil has been torn. You can go boldly before the throne of grace. No other group out there outside of Christianity can go boldly before their God. They're serving an angry God. They're always wondering, you know, God, you know, how do I make you happy? And they're always falling short. And they have no assurance. Only Jesus gives you assurance of eternal life. And we get to come to Him. And we don't have to be all freaked out. Why? Because He loves us. And what He wants more than anything is to spend time with you. And as you come boldly before the throne of grace in the time of need, you receive grace and mercy. I don't know about you, but I need that. And the fact that I have access to the King of kings, the Lords of lords, and the Creator of all things is mind-blowing. That He loves me and He can't take His eyes off of me. And that I can come as a child with anything and say, Lord, I need Your help. I need Your grace. I need Your mercy. Lord, I, I, I blew it today. I need Your grace and Your mercy. And He's so faithful when we confess our sins to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's our God. Our God's full of compassion and love and grace and mercy. All these other worshiping things that people are going after, there's no grace, there's no mercy, there's no love, there's no compassion. There's no assurance. They all live in doubt. If you think you can earn your way to heaven, you, you live with no assurance because you never know if you did enough. Jesus Christ said, I did enough on the cross. Take the gift, live forever. I am so stoked that we can approach our God at any time and He is excited to see us. Right? Yeah. It's, it, it's not like, can you imagine if you, had to re, if you tried to approach Him based on your righteousness and your works? Oh my gosh, that would be scary, wouldn't it? Because our righteousness is like filthy rags and, and it's, like, you know, it's like you trying to approach Him would be like you know, the lion or the tin man or the scarecrow trying to go before the great Oz. And remember how freaked out they were? That's how we would be trying to approach God on our works and our own righteousness. It would be like, Lord, don't kill me. Don't kill me. I, but I really need to talk to you. I know you can squash me like a bug because I'm coming on my own righteousness and works, but 
but I had a pretty good day and I thought I'd take a shot at it. Aren't you glad you don't have to do that? Aren't you glad that the veil's been torn and you can go boldly before the throne of grace? We serve a great high priest who's making intercession for us daily. We have an accuser, his name's Satan. And every time you mess up, he goes before the Father and he rats us out. And the problem with that is that everything he says about us is true. But when our attorney steps into the courtroom, we have an advocate with the Father. It's the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, Judge, can I approach the bench? And the Father says, yes. And he, Jesus leans forward. He says, Father, he's, he's one of mine. And the judge says, case dismissed. I don't know. I thought you would have got excited about that. <laughs> See, your sin has been forgiven past, present, and future. I know you're going to blow it this week, but Jesus already knew it, and he loves you anyway. And he's going to give you the strength to overcome those things. He has broken the power of sin in your life. He is going to get you to the finish line. Be confident that this very thing that he that begun the good work in you will complete it based on what he does. And all we got to do is be available to be used by the, this great God, this great Lord, this great creator, our King, Jesus Christ. So in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, For every high priest taken from among you is appointed for men in the things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself also is subjected to weakness. He, he has sin also. Because of this, he is required as of the people so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. The purpose of the high priest, the duty of the high priest was to represent man to God. That you would go to your high priest, you would offer a sacrifice, they would place the hand on the animal, they would place it on you, they would transform those, transfer those sins to the animal and make a sacrifice. And the problem was that you had to sacrifice all the time because you sinned all the time. And so the high priest had compassion on the sinners because the high priest himself was a sinner. He had faults too. And the high priest's duty was to offer sacrifice for his sins to cleanse himself, to get himself right with God before he starts to intercede for others. But what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he finished the work. He paid for all of our sin, past, present, and future, final sacrifice once and for all. We don't need a sacrifice anymore. We just need to come to that cross and ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, save me. And Jesus becomes our great high priest, better than any man. And not only that, Jesus has compassion. As so the high priest, a man, was supposed to have for the people, Jesus can have compassion even more so for you and me. Why? Because he was tempted at all points just like we are, but without sin. He knows what you're going through, he knows what you're feeling. He's our high priest. Jesus Christ is superior to a human high priest because 
He never had to offer sacrifice for his sin. He was without sin. Jesus Christ understands our weaknesses. He understands our failures. He understands our sinful life. But he knows that I'm trying to do my best, so he has compassion on me, just like he does on you. We see that God's the one that appoints the high priest. Look at verse 4. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. The position of a pastor or a high priest is a calling of God. The Bible tells us that God calls apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's not an appointment by men. It's a calling of God. If you're not called, you're not going to be successful trying to do what you want to do. Have an ear to hear what God is asking you to do. Fulfill what He's asking you. And then He'll move you on to bigger and greater things. The Lord has made us all part of the family. Kings and priests, He's made us. And He's called us to have an ear to hear Him to do His will. To do what He's asking us to do and to turn away from things that He's asking us to turn away from. To not always just jump on something because it really looks good. It looks godly. It's helping people. It's definitely a God thing, but not accepting that challenge unless you are truly hearing from God that He's calling you to do it. Because sometimes things look too good and you just jump in and you make a commitment and you find out that's not God's will for you. So we need to pray, we need to listen to the calling of God, and we need to respond to the calling of God. Over a year ago, we had a guest speaker here who was senior pastor of a mega church in California. And he had offered me a job. And it was a really good offer. And not to mention that a pastor's dream is to minister to thousands of people. And I said I would pray about it. Now, if it wasn't like a job like for you know being a pastor or a Christian thing or anything like that, you would have looked at this and just jumped on it and said, man, that's a win-win, we go. But I want to make sure I'm doing the will of God, even when it looks like a, a super great offer. And I prayed to God, and God told me No. But just wait on that. So, I'm going to take a sip of water. So something really weird happened last April. I was speaking at a church in Nevada, in the desert. They had just lost their pastor. Massive heart attack. They asked me if I would share on a Sunday, and I came out there and I shared, and, and I went through a whole chapter, the book of Acts, and they were really taken back by going verse by verse, and people were blessed, and they were, they were asking if I would consider moving to Nevada and being their pastor, and it was people in the congregation and even people in leadership, and, and I said, well, you know, I'll pray about that. I mean, I, I want to be where God wants me to be. But I was thinking, the desert? 
I mean, Lord, you know, California, that's where I grew up. I mean, at least there's some ocean, but, you know, but I want to be sensitive to, the, to what God wanted. And, and about a month later, they called me, their leadership, and asked me if I'd be their pastor. And I said, well, I'll pray about that. And you, you know what that means. That's the Christianese for no way. Right? So you ask somebody, hey, can you do this? And they don't want to. And they're like, yeah, I'll pray about that. That's like, it ain't going to happen, right? <laughs> but I said I would pray. I want, to be, I, I want to be in the will of God. And so they said, well, we're going to send you out an application. Fill it out and uh, let us know what you think. And I started praying. And what God brought to my heart when I was praying was he brought to me the story of, of Philip. And Philip, after Pentecost, had gone to Samaria and a great awakening happened and thousands of people were getting saved and the church was booming. I mean, they were probably planning a church building and and a coffee shop and everything. And God comes to Philip and says, Philip, leave it all and go to the desert. And Philip obeyed. And you guys know the story. He went to the desert for one man an Ethiopian eunuch, and he led that man to the Lord, and they saw water, and he says, what's to stop me from being baptized? He says, believe on the Lord Jesus. Have faith that you're saved by faith and faith alone, and we can do this. And so he put him down in the water, and when he brought him back up, Philip was raptured to the coast and went up the coast to Caesarea, became known as the, uh, Philip the Evangelist. And that must have been a freaky thing for the eunuch to come up and go, And so I felt like the Lord was testing my heart. And then I prayed on it, and I, all of a sudden I felt the Lord say to me, and it freaked me out, the Lord said, put your name in the hat. And I told my wife, and, and my wife's like, well, you know, if the Lord told you, then you got to do it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's the desert, you know, and... And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to change my heart if this is where he wants me to do it. So I, I filled out the application. I put my name in the hat and I sent it out to them. And about a week later, um, I got a call from their leadership and they said, we rejected your application. <laughs> and the reasoning behind it was um, because they said I'd never been to Bible college. Which I thought was ironic because on my application I wrote, I teach Bible college. (laughs) But they said I was disqualified because I'd never gotten a degree, I'd never went to seminary. And then it caused a big conflict in their church and even amongst their leadership where people started going at it saying, you're not listening to the calling of God and you're hanging on to the traditions of men. God calls pastors, not men. And so I realized at that moment, God was doing two things. Number one, he was checking my heart to see if I'd be willing. And number two, he was checking their hearts to see if they're going to listen to have an ear to hear what God's saying and not hang on to the traditions of men. And that's what we see happening in Israel at the time that this is all being written is that the position of high priest was no longer a calling of God but it was traditions of men. It had become politicized. It became a political thing. It, it became a place of men voting men in for power. And the result of that was during Jesus' ministry on this earth, you saw the corruption of the high priests who were making money hand over fist. Millions of dollars. Millions back in that day. Millions were like billions today. 
fleecing the flock of God, money exchanging, animal prices for sacrifices, that your sacrifice you brought is no good because there's a blemish, but you can buy ours for ten times the amount. And it becomes so politicized that, that people were turning away. And people were going out and they were finding out that salvation through Jesus Christ, who's the Messiah, is free. No more jumping through hoops. No more trying to please men. No more all this, do that. No more sacrifices. Just come as you are. We need to understand that the point the writer's making here is when God called Aaron as high priest, nobody complained because they knew God had called them. So what the writer is saying here is when the Father, who is God, chose Jesus, who is God, to be our high priest, there should be no complaints. You're not to be listening to a man, you're to be listening to Jesus. You should be listening to the Word of God. So when someone would say, well, who made Jesus Christ high priest? The writer of Hebrews says, God did. And God has a right to choose whoever He wants. Even you. God would love to use you. In verse 5 it says, So also Christ did not glorify Himself to become high priest, but it was He, speaking of the Father, who said to Him, Jesus Christ, You are My Son. Today I have begotten You. So here's another reason that makes Jesus superior high priest is the fact that He's the Son of God. And without sin. So here's a quote from Psalm 2. And this was something that no other priest could claim. These are tremendous credentials. Well, what makes Jesus have the right to be high priest? He's the Son of God. So no doubt the Hebrews were saying to the Christians, oh, wow, look at, look at those goofy little home fellowships you got going. People going to your house. Who's your high priest? And you'd say, Son of God, what you got? How many incense you got to light to match that? <laughs> Verse 6, he says, He also said in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That's a quote from Psalm 110. Why would he say that? He would say that because the new believers were being tempted to go back to the traditions of men. They were being tempted to go backwards and not forwards. He would point out the fact that Jesus Christ is the high priest. Don't go back. They were being looked down on because they were having these little home fellowships. And the, and the Hebrews were saying, what, you're going to walk away from this spectacular temple? And everything that's happening over here? And then they would say, we have a high priest. How can Jesus be the high priest? He's not from the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Judah. And so the writer of Hebrews answers that question and says he's of a greater order, greater order than the Aaronic priesthood. He is of the order of Melchizedek, which is superior to the Aaronic priesthood. I love the way I believe Paul wrote this. I love the way he just nails everything and uses scriptures so you can't debate it. You can't argue with it. 
Good stuff. Verse 7, he says, Who in the days of his flesh, speaking of Jesus, when had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear or reverence, though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Wow, that's, that's a lot right there. This is referring to when Jesus was suffering in the garden before they took him to crucify him when he was in Gethsemane, which means the olive press. And Jesus was being pressed. He was being squeezed. And he was in deep prayer. And he was in such, such uh, emotion that he started sweating drops of blood and crying drops of blood. And he had to learn obedience through suffering. You say Jesus had to learn? Jesus chose that. You need to understand that. He chose that. Coming into our world to die for our sins, he had to become a man in order to die for man. That's why the Bible says he came into this world a little lower than angels. Angels can't die. God can't die. So he came 100% God and 100% man. So he could die for our sins. And he started to feel the emotions in the garden, something that was going to happen to him that had never happened before, the separation from him and the Father. For the Father would have to turn his back on Jesus when all the sin of the world was dumped on him, and he would have to die for our sin. That was incredible. I mean, what he must have felt. And Jesus came into our world and chose to learn to grow in the same way that you grew. Being born of a virgin, he had to learn to walk. He had to learn to talk. And then in Luke chapter 2, I believe it's verse 52, says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature at the age of 12 and, and with favor with God and men. He grew in wisdom and stature. He wanted to experience everything that you experienced so you could never come to him and say you don't understand. And when he started to feel the pressure about what was about to happen to him, he was praying out to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, he said, Father, if there's any other way by which man could be saved, let this cup pass, but not my will, but thy will be done. And he learned obedience through suffering. And having been perfected, he became the author of, of eternal salvation to all that will believe. Perfected. You say perfected? I thought Jesus was perfect. He was. But what He did at the cross, the finished work, something that He had never done before, gave Him absolute authority over eternal life and salvation to all that will believe. And Jesus, in verse 10, was called by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Sometimes people will come to you with the weightier things, and you don't have a clue what they're talking about because you haven't grown in your faith. 
Some people will be saved for five, ten years, and there's still no growth. And so he's going to address that next. He's going to next call people to stop doing what they're doing, which is being complacent, and start moving forward, getting off the milk, and getting on the meat. It says here the Father called Jesus. Jesus and the Father were one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. They were in complete agreement. God is, is the Father that we cannot approach in these mortal bodies, so He sent His Son clothed in flesh to dwell among us. Jesus died on the cross and paid for our sins, ascended into heaven, and He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. That's Christ in us, the hope and the glory. It says Jesus was called by the Father to be our high priest, to be that example. And, and I'm, I say that because Jesus will never ask you to do something He wouldn't do Himself. Everything God asks us to do, He showed us by example. And He gives here a strong warning to those who are dull of hearing, calling them to stop acting like babies and grow up. And so he says there in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and, and not meat, not solid food. For everyone who is a partaker only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But meat, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How do you get smart? Read the Bible. How do you get smart? Get on your knees. How do you become skilled in the world? Word. You've got you to read the Word. And here is a command for Christians to stop being on the Bible with just milk. And to be about the Bible searching for meat. And some of you are even looking for jerky. Something really... And there's stuff in here you read, you go, I don't know what that means, Lord, but I know you'll show me when it's the right time. Maybe today God's telling you, get off the milk, get off the bottle. And he uses an illustration I think was really good because it's kind of like this. We've got a lot of babies in this, in this church. And I'm talking about real babies, infants. And they need mama's milk. They need milk because they can't eat yet. They don't have teeth. They can't do solid food. They're really, really cute. But if you fast forward 17 years and you got a 6'2", 190-pound son who's wearing a diaper and he's got a baba in his blankie, that don't look good. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's where a lot of Christians are at. They've been saved 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and they're just, they're just happy showing up on Sunday, and, and they never really grow, and they never really pursue, and they're not listening to God. They're not answering the call of God. Oh, they're saved. They're going to heaven but they're not going to have anything to show for it. And I want you to get to heaven, and I want to see you get an abundance because you were sold out for Jesus. Jesus loves you. He wants to use you. 
Don't sit here today and tell me God can't use you. If you're saying to me God can't use you, it's because you don't want to be used. He takes the foolish things of this world and confounds the wise. Let me close with this. God wants His children to be obedient to His Word, to respond to His call, to stop ignoring Him when He speaks to us. We have a great high priest that loves us and has compassion for us, who understands us and wants the best for us. And He knows what's best for us. Let's stand and pray. I want you to read ahead. Chapter 6 is one of the most controversial passages in the Bible where scholars go in so many directions. And when you read it, read those first six verses and you'll know what what I'm saying. So I want you to read ahead and I want you to pray about it because we're going to go over it all next week. And Lord willing, He will give me the grace and the ability to teach it in a way to make you understand. So let's bow our hearts. Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness, Lord God. We thank You for Your willingness to allow us to come boldly before Your throne at any time. We're coming right now. We come humbly before You. And Lord, we pray, not my will, but Thy will be done. And we ask for strength. And we ask for your empowering, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit because we're going to walk out into the mission field here real shortly. And Lord, I pray for divine appointments that you would allow us to share the gospel today with someone or to pray with somebody who's hurting and to share the love of God. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I don't want you to leave without an opportunity to accept Him as Lord and Savior. If you realize the things that I'm saying are true and you want to make that profession, that confession to make Jesus Christ your Lord, pray this with me right now. Say, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead three days later and ascended into heaven. Lord, I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through you. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to save me now. If you prayed that in your heart, just lift your hand up. God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. (sighs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Lord, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. Lord, fill us with love and joy and mercy and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.